Welcome to the Synapse Nips podcast, where we explore the power of health and healing. On this podcast, we will be talking with health experts, professionals, and leaders about hot topics in the world of health. Whether it's tools to help you flourish, successful stories to inspire, or tips to optimize your health, Synapse Nips is here to help you take the first steps towards living your best life. Welcome to Synapse Snips. Uh, we've got a good one today. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, today about uh, just some current times right now and just want to touch base on uh, discernment in particular and the importance of the times we're in. We're in very, very important times and I am an eternal optimist and so I think there's going to be blessings that come out of this time, but I also want to discuss uh, probably the most common question I get asked nowadays is what is going on? People are just trying to make sense of the times that we're in. So we're just going to uh, break it down a little bit from our perspective, um, coming from multiple different angles. And so uh, we're going to chime in and uh, just talk a little bit about some of the things that we're seeing, hearing, uh, just it's pretty obvious the divide that's occurring, not just in the United States, not just in Canada, but worldwide right now. We have protests in Canada, protests in Europe. Uh, there's about 12 countries protesting right now. We've got seven countries that are shutting down all mandates and a couple that are doubling down on mandates. So it's just very confusing time for a lot of people. And so I'd like to discuss uh, a few things. Uh, the first one is a quote that, uh, Dr. Josh, I first heard you say this. Um, this was at the beginning. And there's a lot of interesting uh, stories just within our setting here when it comes to this quote. I put this quote up on my Facebook page uh, after I heard Dr. Josh mention it, and then I put my thoughts on that. Um, since I put it up, it's been taken down off Facebook, but that's another story. Actually, it's not another story. It's actually it's part, of the story. It's part of the story. Here's the quote. Don't ascribe to malice what can be ascribed to incompetence and poor incentives. And it was very early on, and I thought this was one of the wisest things I had heard um, as far as a good take on what was happening at the time. Because early on, there's a whole bunch of theories, and you can call them conspiracy theories, but there, there were theories about conspiring. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and evil, and some people can jump to the evil statement right away, but we have two years right now of what's going on, and my personal opinion is, and we'll break this down a little bit, my personal opinion is that we have a lot of incompetence going on, a lot of poor incentives going on, and we do have malice going on. We've got all three. So it's important to discern who's doing what. Because the problem I have is that people are going after or arguing or they're pointing at the wrong people. They're, we're, we're being intentionally divided and it doesn't have to be that way. So uh, from your perspective, Dr. Josh, let's just talk, let's start with... Um, don't ascribe to malice what can be ascribed to incompetence and poor incentives. And then I'd like to touch base on another quote that uh, helps with unity and 
my experiences recently um, with Dr. Peter McCullough as he was in Minnesota and his conference and we met. So let's start a little bit about just your thoughts on uh, that quote. Yeah, I don't remember where I heard this originally. It's the first part of it is a, is a pretty well-known quote. It comes from something called Hanlon's Razor, which is stated a bit differently. I'm going to read it because I think it's kind of <laughs> funny. It's never a tribute to malice, that which is adequately explained by stupidity. That's that's the actual way yes. to put it. So I don't know how I heard the first part. I added in the poor incentive part because I kept seeing um, kind of what you said. Everybody wants to jump to everybody who's involved with something that has evil intent. And I think that's unlikely. I think there are evil people who take advantage of situations. I find that 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 they tend to be more opportunistic yeah. than often causative. And it's the poor incentives that I thought, especially in this situation, were driving a lot of the the poor decision-making, whether it's financial incentives or, I mean, that's a big one, usually financial incentives. People don't do things to hurt people necessarily, but if they're going to make a boatload of money on something, that's a hard thing for people to ignore. And so this was kind of a barometer for me in hearing different people talk about different topics, especially early on when not a lot of information was known. It's like trying to keep my feet planted on the ground and not, you know, get too caught up in the, you know, the the speculation. Yeah. Because the the speculation can be addicting, I think. Um, Especially when things are emotionally charged. Yeah. Like the, yeah, this exactly. is this is people's well, livelihoods. This is, what, this is people's health. Yeah. Their life or death. This is this is it's hitting people at a deep heart personal level and so it's hard to keep those emotions yeah, in and, check. It's, and it's those things that that cause social media well i maybe it's it's a chicken and egg thing yeah you know people go on social media to share the things that they're most ticked off about um, but if we had this whole situation without social media just think about how different yes. the situation would be yeah um, i think it would be a lot healthier for a lot of people um, and actually that's and just as a side note that's often a recommendation that i have to make to certain patients is stop reading so much news. Yeah. Stop reading so much speculative stuff on Facebook or Twitter yeah. because some people, a lot of people, their minds just go in circles and they start to rev themselves up. And that is a recipe for poor health. Yeah. And when we get to the second part of this and, and talk about how do we unify, which will come out of this eventually, um, there's a lot of solutions. So we're not just going to kind of point fingers and say, here's the problem, but we do need to have awareness of what's going on uh, to a certain degree. And it's how, how we operate here at the clinic, too, mm-hmm. trying to problem solve what's going on with patients. We have to have discernment. Just because someone has a good or bad day doesn't necessarily mean we're going to change the program or what's going on with their, with their health. But we pay attention to all the, all the details of what's happening, mm-hmm. and we kind of take it all as a neutral event until we can see it being reproducible or we see things are just more obviously in your face. This is what's going on. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is that same skill set that we've had to develop here is what we've had to develop to analyze what's happening in the world right now. Yeah. So it's, it's an important skill set. And so we'll encourage you to sit down and actually talk with people and, and uh, a few other things uh, towards the end of this. Yeah. I, I want to say another thing too. I think the flip side of this is also to not, completely ignore everything and have you know have your head in yeah. the clouds type right. of situation. I think it is I think it's it's best if you can toe the line um 
with being able to hear different opinions that are, that are different from yours without it being a trigger. Yeah. And I think right now it's really easy to be polarized. And in my experience, the truth is often between the extremes. You know, there are people on yes. one side that have their extreme views, people on the other side that have extreme views. And those extreme views are enticing in a way, but the truth is often not at those extremes. Yeah. So instead of waiting a little bit, I'll bring in that other quote now because it is exactly uh, the answer to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quote comes from Danny Johnson, and it is basically uni- unity is diversity and harmony. And what she spoke about was in order to unify, in order to get a, a, a unification of people for a project or for a country, you have to recognize that people, each and every one of us, has a special gift. And uh, if you recognize what their gift is and you lift them up in that gift, then we can start to unify. When you start to just assume everyone thinks like you or is you, then that uh, further divides people. So it's important to recognize that there are other opinions out there and that other people have gifts. And if you don't know what your gift is, I encourage you to figure out what it is. Some people do have a gift of discernment. Some people have a gift um, when it comes to being able to relay information. And some people just don't. And so it's important to know, number one, what is your gift, but who in your life has a gift, what is theirs, and then and then go to that person. There, there are some people that I will ask questions of because I know they have a gifting of discernment in that area. And then there are other people I just won't go to them for that information because they just don't. That's not their thing. I, I know some people who are just so good at uh, at budgeting and, and uh, uh, good with their money. And then I know some people are just good at spending. <laughs> so when I want to spend money, I go to the spenders. When I want to invest money, I go to the investors. So uh, everyone's just a little bit different that way. And so that is one of the answers when it comes to moving forward and through this. And the other thing I'm going to just throw out now in the beginning that I've uh, learned in the past and it helps me because I'm, I'm originally from Canada by nature being Canadian. Most of us are conflict avoiders. We actually don't like conflict. I had to learn how to deal with conflict because I married an Ohioan who, uh, who's good at that part of it. And, uh, uh, generally speaking, there is, there are two types of people as well. There are peacemakers and peacekeepers. Peacemakers stir the pot and and things can kind of rise to the surface. That's the time we're in right now. We're in a peacemaking time right now because a lot of things are rising to the surface. Peacekeepers like to keep the peace. Their job is to come in afterwards and clean it up. So I'm just going to say this. We're in a peacemaker time where the pot is being stirred right now. Things are coming to the surface and there's a lot of heightened awareness around what is poor incentives. And we're going to get into that a little bit from the healthcare side of this. What is incompetence and what is malice? We're starting to see that coming to the surface. And so you're going to see more and more and more of that. And with that, the peacekeepers, which I know you guys are a little bit uncomfortable with what's happening with the world right now because peacekeepers don't like conflict. They want everyone to get along. And that's good. Your time is coming. Right now, the peacemakers need to be doing what they're doing. It's okay for them to stir the pot so that we can figure out, okay, what is incompetence and what is porn sense and what's malice so we can clean it up. And so all of that's very, very important. And one thing that I thought of as you were talking about um, 
I guess unity and part of it, but, but a lot of it has to do with the various opinions too, is we use a, an analogy here with, with healthcare. It's, it's uh, if you have an elephant and you're trying to figure out, you're blindfolded and you're trying to figure out what this elephant is and you've got five people around this elephant blindfolded and they, one person has the tusk and one person has the trunk or the tail or the leg. Those feel very different if you're blindfolded and only together can they figure out, oh, this is actually an elephant because one person knows there's a trunk over there and one person knows there's a tusk or whatever. And that's, I think, the, the same in, in this situation now. There's no one person that, that's going to have every correct answer. Um, and I think it's worth having that humility to know that what your opinion and perspective is is not complete and being willing to know that other perspectives exist that are not that are different but not but not inaccurate and not untrue. That's right. Yeah, you get more of a complete picture because we're getting literally a one or two dimensional view of something. Mm-hmm. And when you have other opinions and people can discuss those opinions, you start to get more of a three dimensional picture. And then when you add time to it where you can see things more in depth, time adds another dimension. So that's a 4D look at something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have more of a, of a, a depth and breadth of what's going on uh, with time and multiple opinions. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk a little bit about because one of the things these guys will, will tell you, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, um, amped up myself. So normally I do, uh, I'm opinionated uh, by nature, but I also will sit back, listen to other opinions and will formulate uh, a take or uh, a deeper look at it uh, to understand things more completely. And here we have promoted uh, people to speak up and uh, we have a, an, an excellence without ego approach to it. And I got to write that time. I said it right. I usually get it wrong. And so, but one of the things that really uh, I'm seeing right now is the opposite of, of diversity and harmony where opinions are being suppressed. And I brought that up before but uh, recently, um, Nobel Prize winning uh, virologist from France, Luc Montagne, passed away at the age of 89. And this was the headline from, from CBS. It was French researcher Luc Montagne, who won a Nobel Prize in 2008 for discovering the HIV virus and more recently spread false claims about the coronavirus, has died at the age of 89. Now, this is a guy who knew his stuff, and so he's a virologist. His opinion matters. And that that title, as far as how they just labeled that, kind of speaks volumes mm-hmm. to what's going on when it comes to either incompetence or poor incentives. Mm-hmm. Possibly malice, but we're gonna we're gonna stick with incompetence and poor incentives. So we're seeing that across the board in a lot of ways, and so it, with our media and with our healthcare system, uh, which we're gonna talk about the healthcare system part of this. But uh, we're, we're seeing that a lot over the last two years, and so to ignore it, uh, I think, is catastrophic for people, and to uh, jump to conclusions is also catastrophic. So I'd like to discuss that a little bit. And I encourage other people to discuss it because I am starting to see division within families based on what they're seeing. And I think it's time that everyone sit back and start to discuss this with people they love and then start with the fact that you love each other. You're not there to create an enemy out of your closest, closest knit family and friends. Mm -hmm. You guys are having the, the deepest, most strongest 
um, power on earth is love, by, by far. The root of all evil is love of money. Not money, the love of money. So that's the poor incentives part of it, which we'll get to. Yeah. So we combat that with love. So you start with good conversation and you talk with the people that you love uh, about this with different opinions. And I want you to truly listen, listen to them. So with that headline that you read, which direction would you tend to go? Malice, poor incentives, or incompetence? Uh, for me, incompetence. So okay. I think uh, I think the media is complicit with a whole bunch of uh, problems. I think the people within the media have are incompetent for the most part because they're not doing their job. I, I literally heard a journalist from Australia interviewing a U.S. politician. And he said out loud, you're not listening to our point of view. And she said, your job as a journalist is to ask questions, not trying to change my point of view. Mm-hmm. And he and it, he, he went silent because he kind of realized and then he started arguing again. This was this is a well-known journalist. I think they've lost the ability to be journalists. Journalists are supposed to really not have opinions. They're supposed to dig deep and ask questions. Uh, in the healthcare community, we're seeing the same thing. And so now the people who put them in charge, there might be malice there. I don't have any evidence of that yeah. per se, but the same thing with our healthcare system. We have a lot of really good people with really good hearts mm-hmm. that have been fooled one way or the other who are trusting. And I'm just going to say this, trusting in excess when you overtrust becomes gullibility. And so that's the incompetence side of it. So incompetence is even a strong word. I think we have a lot of good people that are trusting because they have good hearts who became gullible. Selective incompetence. Selective incompetence. And I think the incompetence, too, is the thing that often leads to the susceptibility to the, the poor, like being led away by the poor incentive. Yeah. Because if you don't understand what it is or you're, if you're, you know, there's a there's a quote that I might miss miss say right here, and I'll look it up if I do. But it's um, basically don't expect somebody to change their mind if their if their job like um, yeah requires them to have a certain opinion. Yes, right. That's, I, that's not exactly that's not a good way to say it. I should look that up earlier. But point being, a lot of people then they get into the cycle of they're incentivized to be incompetent because of. Well, and a lot of it is has to do with again back to social media and clicks and all the way that yeah. the way that websites and and companies are incentivized to make money. Yeah, that that spiral of hey, the only thing that we care about is getting people to onto our website doesn't foster truth. It it fosters whatever really whatever is going to be clickbait. <laughs> yeah, and that that is part. Social media is part of the poor incentive. So you can get into a deeper level of the dopamine that gets released when you have some level of reaction to social media. That's poor incentive. So there is a that's a later down the road cleanup scenario, but it exists. So uh, well, this goes into something you said though uh, when we were prepping the fear inhibiting problem solving. Yeah, right from a brain perspective, you mentioned dopamine. I think we should touch on that here real quick. You know, dopamine is is the reward hormone, right? And so, or, or neurotransmitter. And so, when you do something and you get rewarded for that, regardless of what it is, this can be overdone as as an addiction, but it happens to everybody. You get that hit of dopamine, and your brain says, "Oh, I, I like that again." And so, the problem becomes too when when we're fearful and when our brains are in a compromised state. I think we're more prone 
to latching on to um, topics or whatever it is that are going to trigger that dopamine rush without yeah. us without us being um, discerning of, of whether or not that's a good thing. Yeah, and we and we know neurologically in the brain, the amygdala, when we start to get into that state, has an inhibitory signal or uh, uh, generates an inhibitory uh, cascade, if you will, to the prefrontal cortex. Now, what that means in, in layperson language is uh, our prefrontal cortex helps us with problem solving and helps us with discerning the world around us. And so when we lose that, which happens with strokes in other areas, people will all of a sudden not realize that their hair is disheveled and not brush their hair because they've had a stroke in that region. They'll also not be able to have a social awareness that they're irritating someone in their close proximity. So we've had that conversation before because sometimes if I'm being irritated by someone in my close proximity, I just ask if they've had a stroke. <laughs> sometimes they're just for me, but <laughs> but it's the same thing we're starting to see on mass. So uh, we are not meant to live in fear because when we live in fear, key high human level uh, uh, foundational parts of us get shut down. So when I hear fear being driven, when I hear fear being pushed, it is against our innate human high level of functioning. And I try and dismiss it as much as possible. The problem is that is we're seeing this now for two years without uh, any other type of, of common sense or without any other approach to it. And so it will induce a massive problem with people's ability to see, discern, and problem solve. So I want people to really just hear that part of it. Yeah, again, that goes back to the social media and news part. All of that stuff, for the most part, is fear-driven. Yeah. And so it shuts down your ability to problem solve through it. Yeah. Fear sells. That's the problem. Well, it does, yeah. But it also then gets people into a state where they don't know what decision they should right. make and it shuts people down. So that's why I would encourage, again, if if you're in a, a state of love, again, uh, surrounded by a state of love, mm -hmm. how easy is it to step into fear? It's much harder. Mm -hmm. So that's what we would need to do right now. Come together as a community uh, with people. Find your community and continue to to talk and to uh, come from that place of love and respect, but also surround yourself with it, too. And then you'll start to see things a little differently because you'll be able to discern a little differently. Now, having said that, I do want to talk a little bit about um, my recent uh, experiences with Dr. Peter McCullough because it kind of uh, points to a lot of what we're, just, we're talking about right now. So when uh, Dr. McCullough was here in uh, Minnesota, it's right before he went and testified uh, before the Senate um, uh, committee uh, in Washington, D.C. And it was a great uh, talk. There was uh, supposed to be a couple hundred people there and got well over 800 uh, in, in the room at the conference. A lot of medical professionals, some, some lay people. And the uh, let's see, there was so much to unpack with that, but... The, the big thing that I found was, and I'm going to relay this information um, for people who may not have heard it, but Dr. McCullough is a cardiologist and an epidemiologist. He is the number two most published medical doctor in U.S. history, number one in his field, number two uh, slightly behind a, a doctor uh, out of Mayo system. And 
he's very good at discerning. So problem solving is good, but he just translating is a better word. He reads literature, the science, uh, and he can discern good and bad science because he's, he's so published. But one of the things he relayed when he was talking to us, and we had the pleasure of uh, having a group of us join him for dinner afterwards. And one of the things that he relayed during his presentation on stage was that he met with the CDC and the FDA and members of the NIH early on in the, in the pandemic. And he prepared, he had a, he had a plan and strategy based on the research that was at hand. And that plan and strategy did include vitamin D. It did include zinc, uh, some quercetin, hydroxychloroquine at the time, and eventually later ivermectin. So he had some recommendations that he brought to the, the meeting. What he relayed to us was how uh, blown away he was at how unprepared the other people were, the, the people from the CDC and the FDA. And so when we're talking about the quote of don't ascribe to malice what can be incompetence or poor incentives, he said, now, I don't want you, I don't want to be, uh, he's trying to be very diplomatic and not uh, offend anyone per se, but he said, this was not malice. I'm using the word malice. He said, there's not evil or anything like that. The people I met with were just purely incompetent. These were the decision makers for the CDC and the FDA. So he said that publicly. So I'm, I'm relaying that. There's some things he said privately that I'll keep uh, uh, to myself. But with that statement, he was very disappointed because he brought a game plan and, and he's very, very good at critical thinking. What he said was, it with the research that was out there at this time, this is about a year and a half ago, there was plenty of evidence showing that early treatment was the most important thing. There was plenty of evidence that people with vitamin D and zinc status did better. There was plenty of evidence that people with comorbidities did worse. And so his strategy was to, and, and at the time we had monoclonal antibodies. So one of the incentives that was out there was, um, or one of the things that happened was uh, the system made it really hard actually to get the monoclonal antibodies. They still have. And he would have moved the monoclonal antibodies into the senior living centers because you need to be on IV and in the bed, and it's a perfect place for them to be able to do that. Then early treatment with uh, uh, zinc, vitamin D, hydroxychloroquine, uh, and then eventually ivermectin during the f- day one through day five. Then day five to day 10, do the anti-inflammatory cocktail of medications and natural supplements. And then day 10 to uh, ongoing for the three days, anti-clotting treatments. So he brought that forward and he said, to this day, and I want people to really hear this part, to this day, two years into this, the CDC, the FDA, the National Institute of Health, the governments, Mayo Clinics, all the healthcare systems here in Minnesota, we have Fairview, Alina, none of them have a plan to keep people out of the hospital. When the evidence was clear early on, that you could do that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the, the professionals who are saying uh, in the beginning, the medical f- professionals, the doctors, the nurses that were saying, this is so bad, this is so bad in the hospitals, they weren't lying. But the treatment they were doing was based off a bad protocol. Also within that was poor incentives. The hospitals got paid more to have them wait 10 days before, because that's what the the directors they were given, go home. If it gets bad in 10 days, come back to the hospital so we don't overwhelm, overwhelm the hospitals. Well, it was much worse. And so they got paid a lot more money 
to uh, put people on vents and go down the remdesivir pathway versus the early treatment at home. And one of the things that doc, one of the other doctors shared with me at the uh, uh, meeting with Dr. McCullough is that his particular hospital system was $500 million in debt right now. Now, I asked him why he thought that was. He thought it was poorly managed, uh, um, just poor management as far as uh, fiscally. But when you're that much in debt, it's hard to pay off your bills with a treatment that costs $600, like zinc and vitamin D and hydroxychloroquine, versus $27,000. And so that is poor incentives. So within our healthcare community, there was poor incentives. What happened was no plan came out of it. And to this day, still no plan exists for early treatment for these hospital systems. Now, there are 2 million medical doctors in the United States. Approximately 500 started doing the treatment uh, that Dr. McCullough was um, recommending. And uh, we, we did here as well. We did do uh, early treatment. We recommended it. But Dr. McCullough has done 21 studies uh, on COVID, and in three of those in different countries, Italy, India, and I believe Brazil, where they implemented that strategy, there was an 85% reduction in hospitalizations. And there was no spike in, in the Delta variant in those regions. For me, that's statistically significant. That's important. So he estimates that we could have helped save 85% of the, at least the hospitalizations, you can then attribute whatever number you want to the potential mortality rate. But we could have helped prevent a lot of deaths in the United States if we had gone into a different problem-solving mode. Now, his, his words were that the people he sat with were incompetent, but they were also monofocused. They were focused on vaccines, and that was it. There was no other problem-solving component brought to the table, even though all this other evidence existed. And then the worst part of it is when other opinions started to be put out there, they were shot down. And what he recommended was that a multi, uh, a large board of medical doctors from around the world be brought in to problem solve this right out of the get-go, right out of the, the, the gates, to come up with a good strategy. Now, that ended up happening on its own, but that was part of the 500 doctors who then communicated kind of back channels on what they found was working because every time someone come out and report something it would get silenced so that could be malice because that that silencing um, lines up more with malice than incompetence the people who are following along with it who work for those industries that's incompetence poor incentives possibly because they're trying to keep their job and their livelihood it's a different type of bondage different type of slavery though when you're talking about uh, not standing up for what's right because you have a mortgage and you're going to lose things. It's not fair, but it, the, the people that are standing up, those are the peacemakers. They're the ones who care more about stirring the pot and getting to the truth than they do the other stuff. So we need to stop bashing them, let them do their thing. And I believe all of us here are peacekeepers. I'm just going to uh, throw that out there. When it's our turn, it's our turn to start fixing things, cleaning things up. When we get to that point, we're all going to have smiles on our face and we're going to start bringing people together. And that's when we start looking at the unity because diversity and harmony is how you get through this and correct this. And so the poor incentives part of it, we're seeing it across the board in a lot of different uh, areas. And again, like, like you said before, uh, 
it is that the money part of this, when you actually start to dig into it, is is quite concerning. Mm-hmm. My home country of Canada, where I'm originally from, um, they the uh, there's an actual incentive for them to uh, vaccinate the the Canadians, and so uh, Prime Minister Trudeau Trudeau in Canada will actually get a kickback from the pharmaceutical companies from Pfizer. I don't think that's right. No. I think that's that's poor incentives, and I think that sets up a scenario where it actually you stop looking at the science and solutions because of the incentives. And so, and there's so many other things that uh, I played a video for you guys earlier that, uh, that uh, um, some of the remarks that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has made and just some of the, the commentary afterwards, there's just so much more to unpack there, but we're seeing this, whether it be Joe Rogan or other platforms where just by expressing opinions or Joe Rogan wasn't even expressing opinion. He was just trying to listen to others' opinions and uh, being uh, attacked for that. So I do think we're getting through this uh, for a little more of an upbeat message. I think we're probably through the halfway point on a, on a few things here, and there's going to be some more cleanup. Do not be surprised if you hear more things come to the surface uh, of, of people who are maybe making bad decisions based off of poor incentives uh, or incompetence. And it's going to be, just from a political statement, it's going to be on both sides of the aisle. There is no political party here who's right or wrong. It's going to be on both sides of the aisle, and you're going to see some of those things and uh, possibly some um, also some scenarios within the healthcare community, and whether it be the CDC, the FDA, or the NIH, uh, there's going to be some consequences as these things get cleaned up. And all the people that are super uncomfortable right now with what's going on, just hang in there because you're going to get your chance to express your gift, which helps to unify. And when we get to that stage, uh, there's going to be rejoicing and there's going to be a lot of fun and we can high five and do all that other stuff and then get back to true healthy healing living. But until then, we have to be discerning which means we have to get out of that fear state. Yeah, well said. Unfortunately, we're out of time. And so, <laughs> Sorry, I went monologuing. Well, that's okay. No, that's why I said it was well said. So I think um, closing remarks, really, if there's anything else, it's um, because, like you said, not everybody has the same gift. If you don't feel like you have a gift that's worthwhile, I, I do have a question for you about that, but I think before that, the comment would be, uh, try to keep your head on straight. Yes. You know, try to take a break from the news. It's, you don't have to keep up with every single thing. No. Yeah. It's better to keep your own sanity through this too. Yeah. Uh, because some people have the capacity to do and, and read and keep up with these things. And for other people, it's very stressful. So realize who you are and what your limits are. But in closing, do you have any suge- suggestions for you know, the average listener on what they could or should do to, you know, to support just like you said, unity and diversity through this process. Well, for me, I have uh, two filters, the filter of science and the filter of faith. And so I'm always going to encourage people to seek God, especially in times like this. And and nothing, when you're in dark times, nothing improves darkness like light. And so you've got to uh, um, look at that for you. And so many people, in order for them to move forward, have to surrender something. So so. God's in control. Just remember that. And uh, a lot of this is happening and, and it's coming to the surface. 
and it's going to be a blessing. And so it's important to, to hang on to that. And that is what faith is. Faith is basically um, not knowing how it's going to work out, but believing it will. And, and I personally am okay with faith uh, giving hope because you should be hopeful even in times like this for our future. Because God is good, God is faithful, and God is in control. So my, my two cents is, like you said, if you don't have the gift of being able to listen to the news and not have any emotional reaction to it, then find someone who can do that. Um, Dr. Peter McCullough is a perfect example in the healthcare world. He discerns, he would not, he would not give an opinion if, uh, or speculate on things if he didn't read the science about it. So he, he was, he's brilliant at that part of it. So yeah, I would say, uh, lean into your faith and, uh, and, uh, um, pray if, uh, if you don't know how to pray, just talk to God. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. And then listen, just, just listen. Anything to help you get out of fear state right now so that you can start to see a little bit more of what's going on around you and surround yourself with people who lift you up. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody, to another episode of Synapse Snips. These are all on our website, uh, officialsynapse.com. Uh, on there, too, we've got Troy's radio appearances with Susie, which I know you had a few recent ones, so those are updated and on there. And some of our uh, videos are on there as well. So check us out. Thanks for those who have shared the podcast. We do appreciate that. I think it's good that um, more people hear some of these things. And for those of you who have told us that, we do appreciate it. You know, we've, you know, we, we hear a lot of good feedback, and thank you for that. So, um, yeah, thanks again, and God bless. Thank you for listening to the Synapse Nips podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast. To learn more, check out our website at www.officialsynapse.com. Until next time, this has been Synapse Nips podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only and should under no circumstances be considered medical advice or a substitute for medical care. Any information given in this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease and is at the user's own risk. Please first consult a licensed healthcare professional.